We are awaiting Joaquin Gage, former Edmonton Oilers, Sportsnet, and two guys in a goalie podcast to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Dave Tippett, recently fired by the Edmonton Oilers. Gord, what'd you think? I was... By the way, I was just saying to you, people forget he had a senior advisor job with the Seattle Kraken with Ron Francis. I, I honestly, I barely remember that and, being a thing. And I wondered if it was going to be bigger and better things, but people, some people were surprised he took the Edmonton job in the first place. But anyway, I... Ken Holland's never had to do it midseason. Um, I can't say I was surprised just because we're on the outside, but it was kind of like Travis Green. Sometimes it just gets, unfortunately, or even this week in Montreal, like, you know, it's the easiest move you can make, unfortunately, right. and uh, um, seems like something had to give. Ken Holland had a bad sleep, and here we are. Um, Joaquin Gage joining us now. Joaquin, re- really appreciate you taking the time to join us. How, what's the reaction like in Edmonton to, uh, to the big coaching decision? Um, it's, uh, well, hey guys, thanks for having me on. First <laughs> yeah, of all, you. this is great. Um, I, I gotta admit, I'm kind of fanboying out with Gord Stellick. I'm, I'm really <laughs> showing my vintage here, but massive fan of rinkside back in the day. And, and, uh, oh, man. Gord, I just, I, I just want to say that, um, you made like, that was pre internet kind of area of things. And the fact that my, my parents and, and friends could still watch me on, uh, on the weekends on, on ringside. And you did have some, some pretty good things to say about me. So I'd like to thank you. Wow. For, well, you know, for sure. Well, and then my co-host, a guy named Rick Hodge, just a wonderful guy. And, you know, I walk him, I love hearing that because you're right. It was pre internet and someone like Brett Hall would talk about playing in Moncton. And, you know, it's the only way they got to be seen. And Wendell Clark's mom loves seeing all the kids from Western Canada. So I really, really appreciate that. And somewhere Rick Hodges, well, he's alive and well, but is smiling. So thanks very much for that. Well, if you ever see him in the in the future, to thank him for me too as well. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Awesome. But anyways, back the task at hand here. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's such a weird season here in Edmonton with this team, with the with the start and then the uh, the kind of fall throughout the holidays in December, and then showing a little bit of a glimpse of the team coming back, and then these last two games. Um, if uh, looking at social media and, and the local radio shows, it was just a constant um, asking for change and and needing something. Um, I think people are are very optimistic with uh, with Jay Woodcroft coming in. By all accounts, he's done really well with the players in in Bakersfield, and and the guys coming up, uh, for the most part, have been able to contribute, maybe not as as long as they had had wanted to, but um, uh, so far, he's a, it seems like he's a very good communicator with the young guys, and and as we see the the fresh start with a new coach and getting that coach's bump, I, I I'm sure we're going to see a different type of Edmonton Oilers team tonight. Yeah, it's a uh, you know fascinating team just in that we know with the McDavid and Drysaddle thing that they're always a threat to win hockey games if uh, the supporting cast can play well enough. Was there a sense that Tippett had I don't know lost the guys or misused guys uh, to justify the the firing? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think lost the guys is a is more just in my opinion leaning on those two a little bit too much. Um I mean a lot of the the things that people are talking about is the is the ice time allotment with with certain players and I mean the word of the day out here in Edmonton is accountability with with the players and 
that's from the top guys to the bottom guys. And I know there's different rules for, for different players. Just so you know, you know this, that um, mm-hmm. some guys are able to make a drop pass to the blue line. Some guys aren't. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that you have to, if Connor or Leon does that during the game, um, you can't sit them. But I, I do believe there's certain ways that uh, Jay Woodcroft's going to have to find that to hold everyone accountable. Um, um, tons of people, and, and even I have, have talked about just having a, a second power play unit. Um, I'm not sure at the beginning of the year when, when even the Leafs were, were their, their top unit was struggling and, and their second unit came in and, and scored a few goals. And I, I think that internal competition between players on your own team is, is a necessity if you, if you want to have success. So he's going to have to find a way to, to have everyone accountable and all playing the same way. That's, I don't think that's going to be an easy task, but um, probably the power play is where I would look for first. So goaltending is such an individual position. You played it. You played it for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the Cape Breton Oilers, too. They had the VCR line, Sean Van Allen, Dan Curry, Stephen Rice, I think. I don't know if you were there for that line, but uh, uh, all those years ago. But let's, the, the worst part now, Joachim, is the perception is the goaltending just doesn't cut it. I, I, you know, I feel so bad for Koskinen about, I, get, I admired him so much that game in Calgary where they're down by two, came back to win it. But talk about that particular position that everyone sent as the Achilles heel that Ken Holland failed to address. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'd like to see an advanced stat of coaches who get fired and the correlation between their goalies save percentage. And I'm sure it's, it's all quite similar. Um, let's face it, the, the Oilers goalies have, have not been, and have not been good enough this year. And there's been talk of how Ken Holland didn't, uh, didn't get a goalie. And I mean, I, I believe he tried, um, I was trying to get Markstrom. It didn't work out there. I mean, I don't think we're having this conversation if Markstrom, if they were able to sign him, but no. in in I mean, I played a lot in the American league and, uh, I find that a lot of nights that it's it's not NHL goaltending that the that the Oilers are receiving it's 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 American League and the biggest difference between those top guys is is the soft goal and you see Miko he's he's been battling all year um, but there's always just been that one deflating goal that he would have I, I guarantee he would have liked to come back and and the body language of of the of the players especially in December just just completely taking the wind out of their sails at certain points of the game, especially when it's, when it's close and competitive. So um, I'm not sure what's going to happen tonight. I haven't seen any lineups. I, I'm, I was kind of leaning towards Stuart Skinner just because I think we know what we have with Mike Smith. We know what we have with Miko Koskin. There's still a question mark with Stuart Skinner as if, if he can be the guy and get going. I, I, I'm sure Edmonton fans would love to see a, a Jack Campbell type of scenario where he just catches fire, wins 10 in, 10 in a row and becomes a, a bona fide <laughs> number one goalie for the Edmonton Oilers. But um, I think they're probably going to rely on the, the, the two, two veterans moving forward. And it's just going to be tough for Mike Smith. I mean, he hasn't played in a long time. I, I said it's kind of like jumping on a moving train right now, just with the amount of games he's played and where the, where the play of the NHL is at right now. So um, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's always been my, the reason why the Oilers haven't done well over the past few weeks is because they're just not getting that, that type of goaltending that, uh, that Mike Smith did provide last year. 
With Jay Woodcroft coming in as the head coach, he's a little more familiar with the young guys, the guys who've been through that American League program. Evan Bouchard comes to mind. You know, what What do you expect for him um, in dealing with this roster, knowing the young guys? Do you think we'll see the young guys, more AHL guys, more minutes for the guys who haven't been a part of it so far? I, I, I think so. I think that's one of the advantages of a of a, a coach that was with the minor league affiliate coming up because he he has experience with some of these guys and and he's he knows what he has with them and I think not to like Dave Tippett was is a great coach but just um let's face it he relied more a lot more on a veteran kind of lineup and and um wasn't didn't give a lot of uh a lot of confidence in in some of the younger guys and guys without a lot of NHL experience so I, if I'm a young guy on that team, I'm, and I've had uh, Jay Woodcroft as a coach, it's a it's a fresh new start. You know, this guy knows what I've what I've done in the past. I and one of the reasons why they're probably at the on the Oilers roster now is is he's a good reason of that. So just having that confidence in your coach and and him having confidence in you, I, I would I would I would bet to see a a few more younger guys get injected into this lineup and and having a little bit more confidence to uh to to play with it on the ice as well so you know one question i know a a friend of mine um was at red tail a very exclusive golf course in the summer not me (laughs) but but uh, ken holland was there with connor mcdavid and darnell nurse and so obviously uh particularly in mcdavid's case dreisaitl who wasn't there but just about those guys i mean it what is it it's year seven for mcdavid it's year eight for dreisaitl and I know every, a lot of people in Edmonton think there's this conspiracy theory in Toronto. McDavid's going to come here. I'm not talking that at all, nor do I think it. I mean, he's really dedicated himself to the Edmonton program with the contract he signed. But I, I don't know if I'm just, I'm sensing more, like losing sucks, but I'm just sensing more bite about his displeasure. Like this, this has gone on one act too many. And that's obviously concern for Ken Holland, concern for the owner. And, you know, uh, you know how much maybe could put them over. Yeah, I I would have said that I I mean you always hear rumblings of that during a losing streak and but I've I've never seen the body language that Connor McDavid has has shown over the last it, these last two games like he has in the in the past. Like he's always even from his warm up there's the way he warms up and there's just been a a little slump of the shoulders and and he's getting tired of it like as as much as everyone else. Um I hope again. I go back to that accountability thing with the coach, and I, I, I mean, I, I played for a lot of coaches, and the coaches that I seemed to like the most were the ones that played me more. But I, I that type of relationship. I mean, you have to have a relationship with your best players as a coach. I, I understand that, but I, I do believe there should be some a little bit of separation as well. You don't, your coach. You have to have respect for your coach, but I don't think they're a buddy buddy scenario i don't think works and um uh, i think that it got a little bit too close with the with the old regime here with tippett i'd i'd like to see jay woodcroft kind of separate himself and from that and um and that whole thing of accountability it it just you see too much of it on the ice i've i mean i see a lot of it on a regular basis of where it the the playing field of guys doing playing a certain way and not being held accountable to the guys that I think might deserve a few more minutes of ice time during the game and, and not being rewarded for it.
you know, last one for me, I'm, I'm curious about that word accountability uh, and just wanted to ask about Ken Holland. How much heat is on Holland in Edmonton right now? Um, well, it, we might as well be uh, down south in Miami right now because uh, it's he, he's probably wearing shorts. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hot. I won't gotcha. I won't lie. It's yeah. uh, it's really hot. The uh, it. You walk downtown and you can help hear people complaining. Twitter's an absolute mess. They're even, they're even ripping me for stuff I did back in the '90s. So that's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for, for a big win to, uh, so I can put some long pants on too. These, uh, these legs are still pretty white. There you go. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Joaquin. It was a lot of fun. Awesome, guys. Take care. Gosh, you know, you know, what I love. He's a goaltender, and he didn't do the fraternity thing. What a great line. That coaches getting fired reflects the save percentage. Yeah. Awesome line. So that work has been done. Actually, uh, yeah. And it's just could not be more true. Like yeah. the save percentage of coaches who get fired is like 895 over the past 10 years or something. Like it is totally hand totally. in hand. This guy can't get a win. Huh? He yeah. also can't get a save. Yeah. And 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 the and the other part he talked about was I, I'm not trying to get a conspiracy. I'm just saying, I'm looking at the human part. And I'm just saying if I'm Connor McDavid, yes, like you're done. Not done. You're tired. Like, you're tired. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's... And first of all, he's not going to be an unrestricted free agent for a while, but there's an understanding that if he's that unhappy, mm-hmm. that's a real problem. And he's been a consummate team and organization guy. I, I, I've i never heard anything firsthand from his camp in any way, shape, or form, but I'm just saying, like, really? Come on, look at Sid over there. Look at Ovi. Look at, you know, the other guys of his ilk and, and what kind of success they ultimately had. Right. But like, you know man. what? Also, since those guys came into the league... Players in professional sports don't stick around organizations that are spinning their wheels forever anymore out of just, you know, because that obligation they drafted me, so I'm going to do whatever. You know, the NBA started sort of the <laughs> player empowerment, which maybe has gone a step too far. <laughs> Guys just don't play till the trade deadline. No. They pack it in for 50 games or 45 See, uh, games. Yeah, get me out of here. So there, there is an element now where I think there is more light on the idea that you are allowed to control your future and say, I don't want to do this, and I don't have to. I don't have to live somewhere I don't want to and be somewhere and lose all the time. I do think that there's an obligation to stick it out and to try and give it a chance, but the question that you're asking is when, how long, what's too much? Well, and you, and you before you talk about, okay, warm weather, whatever, he committed to Edmonton. Yeah. Right. And so anybody committed for eight years as well. And you got to heat a driveway, though. Well, yeah. But, but <laughs> here you got Matthew Kachuk. Guess what he's going to do next year? He's going to sign one year with Calgary and be a UFA. You think so? Right. Oh, yeah. Do you really? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I think so. I think it's all geared towards that. So, so Calgary is facing Johnny, Go- Johnny Goudreau leaving this year and maybe Matthew Kachuk a year down the road. Right. Wow. I mean, just about to your point about guys saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give um, UFA years up. I mean, Austin only gave up one. Mm-hmm. Austin Matt. So he may be the first of that new contract that the term of five years rather than eight that McDavid took or had to take to get the flames to sign a one-year deal. What number would that have to be at? Like is Kachuk going to say, I'll play for one year, $2 million. Cause if I'm Calgary, we're not doing a one-year deal. Like we're just not, or I'm Why not, but he'll him. go to arbitration. Yeah. He'll get, he'll, yeah. Cause he's an RFA. So he'll get something for arbitration or so whatever. Yeah. 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 For, for his QO. Were you going to say something, Sam? Well, I was just saying, going back to what Joaquin said about the goaltending and coaches getting fired, I'd love to see the correlation between the Jack Adams and... And great and, goaltending. And great goaltending. I'm sure yeah. it's a very similar one, yeah. right? Like, you That's think back... point. You think, when... Didn't... Didn't... Didn't Wah win the... 
wasn't he like in the running and he had an unbelievable goal tie? I forget who it was. Was it Craig Anderson? Like somebody played unbelievable out of yes. their minds and they, it's just, I feel like if you have a great goalie, you're going to be a good coach. If you're a bad goalie, you're going to be a bad coach. Yeah. That's kind of hockey. That's, it's you so funny. Only... We spend all this time talking about hockey and breaking down don't the tell game. Us, don't tell people the secret that the whole show and could be like, the goalie's it's good. All the matters is so the, the goalie, it's all that matters. The Jack Adams Award for the Coach of the Year should be the Jacques Plant Award. Yes, <laughs> correct. It should be named. And by the way, I'm not 100% sure on Kachuk. I'm just no, saying no, I, I know, do, but, but it's I, a great idea. But to your. But your point is exactly what guys are thinking about now about I'm just going to do the six or seven years and whatever it is. And yeah, and I'm going to decide where I want to go. And I just particularly great players like, well, Kachuk, Mm because you think you see in the NBA, how long did LeBron been signing? I know he signed a four year, but Sammy LeBron's been one year deals, one with a player option. Yeah, one and one for a long time. Yeah, for like, but yeah, but his are like $50 million a year. So is that good? It's quite good. It seems very good. So, but I think in the NBA now is it is it five years? Because we max, yeah. we in so Toronto we with Tracy that. McGrady. Remember that we were the last ones that got burned when it was three. Remember it was three was years that the in max tra- length. Yes, and and then they had a lockout, and that was one of the things they addressed. That I believe it was a four year entry level, then a fifth year. So it went from three to five. But we lost Tracy McGrady, like like Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter for two more years together. So anyway, well, that's one of the things that I think the NHL. We yesterday we had uh, JD Bunkus on, you know, knows NBA stuff very well, and we were talking about things NHL could take from the NBA. One of them is shortening the max length of contracts. I think would do. There'd be less of those deals that burn teams on the books. There'd be more player movement, which I think is interesting and exciting. The more the guys come up, I know the complaint is that owners don't get their players for as long. Like it's not as guaranteed, but okay. You know mm-hmm. what will be good for owners? If the league is more interesting and people pay attention more. I don't know. Well, it, it just, uh, well, then you got funny. Sidney Crosby doesn't seem to care about money. Like he signed yeah. long-term and he's never squawked once. I think you got to make enough money before you get to care about not need, yeah. wanting money. But uh, the, and yeah, the other thing is the more free agents out there, the more it drives down the market as well. Like the, uh, one of the strengths the players point. can have is you don't want too many out there flooding the market. But um, I, I do like the system they have now, but what the NHL owners thought, it doesn't mean they're right, but Gary Bettman just said, okay, here it is. Entry level now. It's finite. Mm-hmm. Entry level contracts, and they are entry level contracts. Then you get free agency after six or seven, say seven years. So that's changed from age 31, okay? And that's where you get the big enchilada. Well, all of a sudden, they got going, Drew, Drew Doughty, Stephen Stamkos. He said, no, no, what are you talking about? I'm at my prime here. I'm, why am I going to wait four more years and take just inter- incremental? So all of a sudden, well, this is screwing up the cap. Yeah. Well, too bad. you got to make good business decisions. Yeah. You're right? And, and, the, and Carolina made good business decisions. Dougie Hamilton, got to go somewhere else. Got a Justin Falk, got to make a trade. Jeff Skinner, got to make a trade. Yeah. You know, so you got to make good business decisions. Well, and you don't get paid on the back end of deals anymore, right? Like it used to be, okay, in your entry level, you don't make a lot of money, you know, you you pay your dues and eventually mm-hmm. when you're 30 and you got a good career, now it's like 30, they're like no one wants to give a 30-year-old a big contract. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting how things have been looked at. Um and we have Eric Angles joining us now to quickly segue that over. Senior columnist for Sportsnet.ca, Habs beat writer. Mr. Angles, how are you, buddy? You guys, you got me. Good for you, eh? Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is great. How uh, How's things in Montreal? Anything interesting happening? Oh, it's always so boring here. There's not, nothing ever really to talk about. Maybe we should talk another time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess walk us through... 
where things are at uh, in Montreal now. Martin St. Louis has taken over. How has that been received? Is Montreal as a city excited about this change? How do I answer that? Uh, <laughs> that was the, I always find, Borny, I always find these the hardest questions to answer because, like, you're asking for the pulse of General the city tone, on that thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like Toronto, right? Like you have half the people love it, half the people hate it, or maybe it's 40-40 and the other 20 is indifferent. I, I, you know, it's, it's all over the map um, and typically quite, you know, polar. Um, but look, I think the majority of people, and I'll include myself in this group, were very surprised when the name Marty St. Louis came out. And I don't think anyone was surprised and I'll is the majority of people, myself included, that Dominic Ducharme got fired. You know, I wrote about it the night before it happened, that it was going to happen. Um, but Marty St. Louis was a real shock. And once you hear the name, you start to think about why it could work, right? Mm-hmm. And you go through all those iterations, and they're pretty obvious. This is a guy that's going to command instantaneous respect. And, you know, I spoke to some players that either played with him and players that were going to play for him for the Montreal Canadiens and wrote something up and everyone was genuinely excited. But I got to tell you that anything that you could have thought of that would have made for a good reason for this guy to come in, despite how strange it is with him coming off a peewee bench and had never having NHL coaching experience was almost instantaneously confirmed in the way he handled himself not only in yesterday's press conference, which there's knocking out of the park and there's then there's hitting a grand slam, um, which I think he did the latter. But the way he coached the game, the way the players played and responded to it, and then I, you know, you'll see reporters, they go to practice, they've got their noses in their computers and Twitter and all that stuff. You know, I closed mine today and I just watched practice and I saw 25 guys or so, whatever it is, 23 guys having a lot of fun and uh, a really fast-paced, hard work kind of practice and basically exactly what they need. Marty St. Louis is going to need time, guys. He's going to need to figure out how to operate an NHL bench. Right. Uh, and, you know, at home, it's almost a bit more complicated with matchups. On the road, it's kind of go out and play. But it's hard not to get a pretty good feeling that if you think this guy might be a good coach, that, that he probably will be. So you know, there's different, so many coaching and management changes, Eric, so far, and the, and they're all different in how they play out. You know, Bruce Boudreaux, one more kick at in Vancouver. Derek King, will he stay on in Chicago? I mean, in the case of Marty St. Louis, you got Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes that three months ago or whatever, four, never imagined they'd be in these jobs. So my understanding is, He's the mole without being a mole because everyone knows he's the he's going to be the guy in the dressing room that's going to give them a sense of what needs to be done moving forward. Because I, I'm sure can't he was all the excitement as you know, Eric. Afterwards, he looked at. I mean, no one's got a worse salary cap situation than Montreal. So hey, he's going to do lots of stuff. Guess what? There's not a hell of a lot he can do with the contracts right now. They're going to have to be big, tough decisions. It's going to be a benefit, as he mentioned to have Martin say, well, he's somebody you trust and knows well um, and understands to be his eyes and ears within that capacity. No one would deny that. Kent Hughes himself in the press conference said as much. But what's become clear, um, you know, 
like kind of just what I was getting back to, right? Like you have your initial impressions, what you think, right? And then you hear them speak and, and what they have to say and what Martin saying we had to say. And it became, it, it became a lot more clear that this isn't just some stopgap solution and a guy who's there to spy for Gordon and Hughes in terms of improving their player evaluation before they have to make all the changes they have to make. They want this guy. They, they, they wanted this guy, and I'll tell you right now, without spoiling too much of the beans because I've got some stuff coming next week, you know, I sat down with Jeff Gordon today for about an hour, and then I talked with Ken Hughes, and um, this was their guy. This was their guy, and, you know, certainly were there outside influences in that they couldn't, they couldn't necessarily meet with people working for other organizations midstream in a season, yes. Um, but they also felt that if they waited to the summer to give this a shot, that Martin St. Louis wouldn't be available for them. It, it's, it's a really interesting outside-the-box idea. And there's a lot of reasons to look at it and say it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I, I, don't even, I wouldn't even blame anybody thinking that but i also would say who's to say that this isn't the right way to do it versus going with the established people that we know of that because of the constraints of the job and having to speak french unfortunately we've dealt with a lot of retreads here in montreal in terms of people that have coached here before and have proven track records i i just you know i think we're going into a new era of hockey and not just on the bench but structurally in front offices and we're seeing it around the league there's some evolution happening for a sport that usually moves pretty slow and Gord, you've been on both sides of it like this is we're in a really interesting time right now and the Montreal Canadiens have made some very interesting decisions in a very short span here so what one comment that stood out to me uh, was Marty St. Louis in a uh, conversation with Tortorella apparently saying this is the right time it's just the right time like, they're terrible. Why is this the right time for Marty St. Louis? Um, well, well, first of all, as he explained, um, you know, he wanted, to, he wanted to spend time with his kids that he would never get back, right? And especially after being a hockey player traveling all over the place and not being there full-time. Um, you know, I, I think any guy who, who runs through this league and gets that opportunity, they want to do it. Uh, his kids have grown up quite a bit. He's been able to you know, help them grow both on and off the ice in terms of his involvement in their athletic lives and all that. And he feels that his kids are in really good places and in really good hands and that this has always been a dream of his and that he wanted to pursue it and he's got the support of his wife to do so and he's leaving now at a time and in a place. And I I don't know if he believes in fate. Um, I know that he grew up a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan who explained yesterday that his father was one of 14 kids and they didn't have money and loved the Canadians so much that they used to go to the local television store and peer through the window to watch the third period. You know, everybody would be outside and not in the store. And he gave this kind of story that made you feel like there's a fairy tale element to this, right? Like, Ken Hughes calls you and Jeff Gordon calls you and they say, we want you to come coach Montreal Canadiens. Do you say no? Because the team isn't doing well. Maybe if you're, uh, you know, Barry Trotz and you're not looking to get into a situation where you're coaching a team that's, you know, 
realistically two, three, four, five years down the line from contending again. Uh, but if you're Marty St. Louis and someone's willing to give you that opportunity, it's always been your dream, and it just happens to be this team, how the heck do you say no? So I, I get it, you know? So, okay, he gets to do his imprint and practice like he did today and talk to the media. So you're talking on the management side. I mean, it's funny, in Philadelphia, you know, same kind of thing. Chuck Fletcher, lots of changes. Dave Scott, the uh, president, says, and maybe guys like Konechny and Orensky are in play that you never would have thought of, uh, or excuse me, Provorov are in play that you wouldn't have thought of before. So in the case, getting back to Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes, I mean, what kind of guys do you think can be in play there if they're going to look to move on and make real hockey trades or or make real hockey buyouts? Because those are going to be the tougher things to do. Yes, uh, you're right. There's some pretty obvious ones, right? Like Ben Sherrod is going. <laughs> ben Sherrod is not staying in Montreal. He's going to be traded. And, you know, a big part of it is being what what is committed already to the defensemen that are currently here. Uh, including a guy like Joel Edmondson, who fits a similar profile and hasn't played this year, but was a big part of what they did last year, probably their most consistent player uh, last year, and I think surprised a lot of people who initially thought that that was a, a silly signing by the Canadians. Uh, they were wrong on that. Um, so Ben Sherrod is going to go. And and then you look at a guy like Arturi Lekkinen. Jeff Petrie is a player that is likely to move. Whether or not it happens between now and the deadline is we'll see. Um, on the surprise element, you know, I think they value Tyler Toffoli quite a bit, uh, but I think a lot of other teams will too, right? Like here's a contract that's quite digestible for a guy that scored 28 goals last year in 56 games. And even if you're sitting there saying to yourself, he's never doing that again for two more years at $4.25 million and no trade protection. Um, you know, the value's obvious. He's a Stanley Cup uh, winner. He's a guy with pedigree. He's a guy who's proven to score clutch goals at key moments. Uh, and there's going to be a market and, and whether or not, the Canadians deem what they can get back for him to be as as valuable as what they can get out of him for another year or so. Um, that's ultimately going to determine whether or not he stays or goes. Um, but there are teams that are interested for sure. And, and there's teams that are very interested in Josh Anderson. Um, mm. The Canadians are not going to move Josh Anderson unless they get their socks blown off. So, I, I think you know you can look, you start looking picking through the roster and pick out certain guys and. We'll see where it goes with them, but I could tell you, you know, Nick Suzuki's not going anywhere, and Cole Caulfield's not going anywhere, and Alex Romanov isn't going anywhere, and Caden Gooley's not going anywhere. And there might be some guys that people think will go that won't be either because they're good players and they could could be of value not only in a retooling, rebuilding situation, but, but moving forward beyond that. All right, Evo, we're going to let free you up to on your Friday afternoon to go get some of Kipper's Little Buddha Cocktails. <laughs> Brought to you by Real Kipper and Born. <laughs> Enjoy your afternoon, E. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to dry January, February. Uh, I haven't had a drink in a long time. Not on purpose, but I just, I don't know. But uh, sorry, I'm not helping you sell booze. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to sell it anyway. It's not I'm my sure, company. I'm sure it's delicious. You tell Kipper that I'm, I'll try it when I'm back on, on the juice. All right, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. See you guys. Gordo, the Montreal Canadiens going to be doing stuff. They're already doing stuff. Marty St. Louis in. What, what are your thoughts, man? I, 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 they're, they're 32nd in the NHL. How is this possible? Well, and to get back to Joaquin Gage earlier, would love his comment. 
So Marty St. Louis, there were a lot of positives last night, and he kind of goes, "Is our goaltending always suck like this?" Yeah, <laughs> like uh, you know, like that again. You go back to it, and no that, wonder I'm here. You know, there's no Carey Price. There's also no Jake Allen, and that's something that they paid a lot of money for, right? And uh, really carried them through to the um, Stanley Cup final last year. So I mean, that that was that was a big one yesterday that you saw because I mean there were positives. Uh, I mean. And having fun at Proud Kid, it shows how remedial it is. Right. You know, like, you know, I love my mom, but she could come and run a practice and have fun one time. Okay. <laughs> right. And she'd be a lot cheaper than whatever Marty St. Louis is uh, getting. Gord, I, yeah. I'm not even going to touch that. So, so you know, just, I, I you'd have to have a short-term contract, whatever, because she's 91. But, you know, whatever. She's, but I just mean, like, everyone's getting all excited. So, I, I think, you know, Marty St. Louis, great. I love having these names back. Yeah. In the business, and uh, and that they just they got to start playing because I kind of gave Ottawa a shot about fans not going, but they got to start playing like Ottawa is. Yeah, right. That's no, just got, all. You got exciting young core. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I've got an article coming on Sportsnet.ca, and that was kind of my takeaway: is like, if you're a fan of the Canadians, what do you want to see from the next uh, whatever it is, forty games that they have left? You don't care if they win. In fact, you probably prefer that they don't win. Mm -hmm. You just don't want them to not win the way they not won the other night, you know, looking dejected and flat and, like, you want some life. So, to me, the best thing that can happen is Marty St. Louis comes in, a guy like Cole Caulfield is reinvigorated. There's opportunity, you know, Romanov. These guys are allowed to make mistakes. They get to be involved. They still lose. But they lose with a little bit of uh, joy de vie. What's yeah, that's good. A little joy de vie. I think that is it. (laughs) They want to lose every game. Yes, all of the games. Every single game they play, they want to lose in an idea. Well, probably against except the ones against the Leafs. No, no, no. You're you're talking. First of all, the the players don't because they'll players. But Kent Hughes and and Jeff Gordon do. If they want that, they they, the lottery won't go their way. I was just gonna say. Yeah. But what happened with the Leafs and what Brendan Shanahan's lucky uh, four leaf clover. So Shane Wright this year to get the Austin Matthews of the draft, and of course Bedard. The, so there's a handful of teams. I mean, there's everyone that's out of the play. Or no, now you can only move down a certain amount. Actually, the new rules are in place, and there's only right. two lottery picks. But there's the one special one. So any team. What's the new rules? There's only uh, two, the top two lotteries. Huh. Yeah, that's why Chicago's uh, uh, only top two protected. They just changed it this year. So uh, they made a couple of modifications. And so point being is, uh, it doesn't matter. Number one's what you want. Two and three are, are great, but number one is what you want. And there's a handful of, whatever, handful of teams that that's going to make their year. And yeah. um, so, but any team to me that even hints at deliberately saying they want to do that, because yeah. your odds don't increase ridiculous amount, right? Then they're the ones that should get burnt on the uh, on the spinning well, wheel or the whatever the lottery. I think there's a lot to what you said there, and it's I I believe in karma. I believe in good you know doing having good practices and not just being yeah. a horrible team. So they, in my Arizona opinion, Arizona should not no, win the lottery. But I think the Habs kind of appeased the karma gods, I guess, if you will, by hiring Marty St. Louis, bringing in a new voice, sort of being like, hey, evaluate our guys. Like we're not trying to just be the worst team in the league here. Like. I like the move. I've, I talked to it. I have a couple of my buddies at my on my hockey team. You are had me fans. work through it on air yeah, yesterday. Yeah. I came around. I was discussing it with them last night. We were talking about uh, what they thought of the move, and they were all in on it. Like maybe uh, with with the six year six million dollar contract extension, <laughs> Sam signed Jack Campbell yeah. to. Maybe Montreal's looking for a goaltender maybe. if he wants to move this contract. Yeah, you know, after the last two weeks. You know yeah. what I really like about Marty St. Louis is I like his passion, and I mean, like if you have him on this show and he talks about hockey. He can be, he can get fired up about, you know, a X's and O's moment where mm-hmm. a guy's supposed to do, he, he is a hockey 
uh, I don't want to say a geek because that's hockey not guy. He's just a, a hockey guy. Yeah, but that has a negative connotation. What? But like, uh, what it does? does? I, well, well, hockey guys hockey. like like the camaraderie club, the old boys club. Like you know, it's, it's it, like people can be a hockey guy without having played. You know what I mean? Yes. Just, just like yes, you, yes. just like you can do your finances well without hockey getting lifer? a BCom. You know, hockey so it, lifer. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's good. I like hockey lifer. That's okay. really no, good. but that's still the same thing. Just because he's a hockey lifer doesn't mean he's competent, <laughs> right? True, fair. You know, so but fair, uh, fair. so it's it's uh, it's the one say say an enlightened hockey mind, good Ooh. experience. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's fired up about it, and I do love that. I truly do. You know, right now though, their winning percentage is two fifty. Oh my god, they're winning wow. at a one quarter. Winning percentage. The uh, Arizona Sam's Coyotes bo- that's are Sam's bowling average, <laughs> which is good in bowling. Uh, well, ten I'm pin a, anyway. I'm lucky to break on. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Arizona Coyotes are like way ahead of them. So I think even if they do win, to your point, Gord, if they have a you know put something together together yeah. here, you, you do think that the karma it should should break their way. I just think that having a guy that is serious and passionate about winning who also has the mentality of having fun is going to be great from them. And Kipper and, and I, and or so it was just you and I were laughing at the idea of Ken Hughes saying these guys got to have fun. Yeah. You know, we want these guys to have fun. But I do believe that you you can't go on a march from now until the end of the season being upset about every loss and breaking your stick over. Like, you're bad. You're yeah. a bad team. So Marty St. Louis made the joke in his presser about how I need these guys to have fun. He goes, you know, I know that they had fun when they were peewees, and so that should qualify me as their coach. Uh, <laughs> he's coming, he said that. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, no, it was a great. And, and you know what? He's he, he's he goes back to. You're right. You got to get that back about fun. That gives the passion. That gets everything. And I know it's it's understood, but to, to implement it, and let's face it, how could Dom Ducharme do that? He's you know, no, the grinder. He's handcuffed. been through, right? Yeah. So so yeah, just. Go and, and be respectable is really what it means, but have fun for starters. And it still wasn't fun last night. <laughs> they lost 5-2. But anyway. Really, uh, they played really hard, though. Yeah. Well, that's that's it. At least they played hard. At least they didn't let it get away from them. Uh, Gord, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. No, it was a blast. Whatever. So, uh, yeah, always listen. So it's good to be here in person, and uh, you have a good one, okay? Yeah, thanks, buddy. And thanks to Brent Gunning for joining us today. Thanks to John Garrett. Thanks to Joaquin Gage and Eric Engels. Uh, lots of exciting hockey news out there. The Toronto Maple Leafs uh, coming up. Hockey night in Canada. Got the Vancouver Canucks with their overhauled front office. And uh, and I imagine they'll go back to uh, 12 forwards and 6D because it didn't work out too well doing the 11 and 7. So uh, we will be back on Monday. Real Kipper will be back from his Florida vacation. This has been Real Kipper and Born featuring Gord Stellar.